Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, we look back at the weekend for the Jets, including wins in Ottawa and Philly. Plus, Wheeler hits a milestone. And it all hits the fan out in Vancouver. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, good to have you guys back as we wind down the final week or so of January here. And no worries, a brief little bump in the road has turned into four points in two nights. A nice trip out east there to some of the cellar dwellers seem to do the Winnipeg Jets some good as they're uh, right back in the in the wind column, right back in the swing of things and uh, ready to go before the all-star break hits. I felt like the all. Do you even know when the All Star Game is? No, I don't. I I used to, I used to think it was always end of January, and then well, they and they announced the All Star, not the roster, but like the the locks like three months ago. Like yeah. the NHL sucks at marketing so bad. It's I didn't it's even so bad. I, I didn't even notice that they announced like the fan vote guys. Until like I, did, a, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that either. I mean, I'll, I'll take a look at this while you're talking a little bit later on. Um, yeah, just a masterclass in how to effectively uh, get eyeballs and ears to your league. Gary Bedman getting the job done once again. Thanks, Gare Bear. Uh, that voice you heard beside me, by the way, is CJOB's Tyson Rewicki joining us once again. Tyson, how was the weekend? How's things going to start off the week? The Flyers lost, so it was a, it's a great start to the week. It was, oh. <laughs> and and these are these are episodes I like because look, all Jets fans obviously want the win, but guess what? All Flyers fans wanted the Jets to pick up the win, and so and and to do so in regulation is massive. Like you, you, we there's there's been too many of these three point games the Flyers find themselves in. So I we're in a doubly great mood because the Jets win and they find a way to do so in regulation there. Um, and like I mentioned there, the, uh, the the Toronto-Montreal fiasco is a thing of the past now because the club's back where they belong, right up there at the top of the standings, at the top of the Western Conference. So let's break it down there, Tice. And we'll start off with the most recent game. A uh, bit of a seesaw affair unexpectedly because, I mean, for one, the Jets, you know, kind of smacked the Flyers around in the first period there on route to a three-goal lead. 
And then you have yourself a couple of late goals in each period, something that has plagued this team in the past, but what we haven't seen too much of this year. And then wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Started the third, another power play goal. And then things were getting really, really dicey. Second end of a back-to-back, all that. You know, I think there's a, a fair amount of consternation if this club would find a way to push through. But look, when your team needs a boost, who better to, to call on than number 20 himself, Carson Kuhlman? Looking like Cam Neely driving through the paint there and giving the Jets a big lead. And then they find a way to hang on to that lead and pick up a 5-3 victory in Philadelphia. Anything stand out to you for the Jets with that performance? It was very reminiscent of a last year's Jets team game. Like just how it's a team that you should be beating. They, I mean, they dominated them in the first. They, and every goal they scored was a, was a nice goal. It wasn't like there were garbage goals or anything. Like they were set up in the offensive zone for a lot of them, or they were just a really nice play. So like this was that first period was the Jets that we've seen so far this year. And then the second and third, then well, more so the second period, at least for sure you kind of started, saw some of the bad habits start to creep in. And maybe that's a bit of a back-to-back, too. They played a really good game against Ottawa the night before. So maybe it's just – maybe it's, you, you just start to get a little bit tired traveling, too. So not, not I'm not going to harp on them too much. But, yeah, it was just – it's a game where you want that first period to continue on throughout the game instead of having these lulls where a team that like the Flyers, who are a lot less talented than the Jets and – a lot less talented and they <laughs> kind of claw their way back and just uh, off of it wasn't I, I, it wasn't like there were brutal turnovers it was more so just kind of late not lazy but undisciplined and kind of losing your guy on the play we, we saw down the kevin hayes goal pucks bounces to him and he kind of just no one untouched and he fires a pill past riddich there and it's i mean yeah, these are the games in near the all-star break too. And it's, you don't want to harp on a team too much, especially when you're coming off a, six, a pretty successful road trip. So it's good. It's, it's a good way to end the road trip for sure. But yeah, I think that's kind of it. It's just a good way to end the road trip. Now get the hell out of there and, and try to try to get back home and, and sort things out a little bit. And, and that's the, the weird thing of this is like, I don't know. There, there's two parts, right? Like there, there has been this worrying trend of, we're seeing a little more last year's team creep up now and then this year. And, you know, the Ottawa game, I think, was, you know, an an example of the Jets, you know, forcing their will on the opposition, and there wasn't really much of an answer for it. So so that was fine. But, I mean, the past, really since the start of the new year, it hasn't been all that smooth for the Jets, even though their record has been well above 500 during that time span. So I, I, I understand some fans... Kind of like, please don't, don't, don't be what you were last year. But I, I think you make a good point there too. And I, I think there are some extenuating circumstances for, for why the team has maybe slipped up relatively over the last little while. I think looking ahead to the all-star break is, is more than likely one. Um, but I, again, I don't, I don't think we should forget too the stretch they had to go through pretty much all of December where they're down, what, six, seven guys each night, it felt like. Big chunks of the upper echelon of their lineup out as well. And then now they're trying to integrate those guys back in and, and get them going to where they have been in the past, right? And so I I think there's still a little bit of residual uh, left over from that, where, you know, Ehlers and 
go up and down the lineup, Schmidt, even Perfetti to an extent too. A lot of these guys are, you know, trying to slowly work their way back in. And we see this all the time when, when a team gets healthy, a lot of the times they go on a bit of a slump and, and they're not playing as well as they have been. And I, I just think that's what we're seeing right now with the team. I, I, I still maintain that no reason to, to sound the alarm bells or anything like that. There's, there's no doubt they're not playing as well as they have a little bit earlier on in the season. But I think there's been more than enough positive signs here over this stretch that this is maybe just a little bit of turbulence more so than anything. And I, I, I really do think that once the All-Star break comes and goes, we're going to see a, a focused, ready-to-go, refreshed, recharged Winnipeg Jets team. And I, I think they're going to start to kind of roll over the opposition more often than we have seen over the past little while. Yeah, no, it's I, it's a great great point because no, I don't think no team could benefit more from a little bit of a break than the Jets right now. I, it's just with some some of the nicks and bruises that they've gotten these past couple of games. I mean, Janssen Fialbi too blocking that cannon of a shot, and I mean, hopefully he's okay because that it didn't sound good. <laughs> I don't know, don't don't know exactly. Not, what made yeah, that sound is right. <laughs> I don't know what made that sound, but it didn't sound good. So it will be nice for the Jets to get a little bit of a break here and coming to this I guess it's not really the second half of the season but more so like kind of last third of the season here and kind of assert your dominance amongst amongst the Western Conference maybe make a move I think they could also I mean we've been talking about this all year but I think a move could really help give this lineup a bit of a jolt of energy too so I I wouldn't mind seeing maybe in the first week two weeks after the all-star break maybe get ahead of the pack and make a move but yeah no the, the Jets are definitely looking forward to this break yeah, yeah, I, I think I think everybody could get on board with an Eric Carlson, Timo Meyer, super mega trade, and then away we go into the second half of the season. That's that's what's gonna happen, right? Carlson and Meyer, something like something <laughs> like that. Um, now, I, I would say the big story for me because I mean the games didn't really have a whole lot of appeal going in. Um, the club played great in Ottawa, kicked the crap out of the Sens, which is what exactly what you should be doing. And while it, it didn't go as smoothly, you, you're still able to take care of business against uh, a pretty weak flyer squad. But I was most intrigued to see how this this makeshift new look top six would do. And early returns are pretty damn good, Tice. I, I guess my my take on this, and I'm a little bummed out that we're not seeing Dubois, Connor, and Ehlers together as a trio. I mean, they were just, they were so good. They were so good in those few games together. And I, I really think that they, if given a run of games, could be one of the best lines in, in the entire National Hockey League. I think they'd be right up there, you know, with the McKinnon lines, the maybe not quite the Bergeron line, but pretty damn close to that. But I will say this. If your goal is to build the best lineup then I think you can make the case that what the Jets are doing right now is the better route to go as opposed to just creating the best line. Because I, I, you know, I do wonder, and we saw good glimpses out of Shifley, Wheelers and, Wheeler and Perfetti, but I don't think the level of dominance that, that a lot of us would have liked to have seen. But with this new makeshift group where you know you have Dubois and Connors chemistry set to go, good to go, Perfetti lit it up this past weekend he was he was awesome but if that line's going that way and then you have Nikolai Ehlers finally with the dynamism in his game that I think has been missing since he came back from injury and Ehlers and Shifley spearheading the charge on that second line I can I I think this might be the Jets best top six 
you may not have the best pure line, but in terms of getting both of those groups going, I, I think this might be the way to go here. I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I was I was pretty impressed by what we saw over the weekend. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Like I, I think moving Ehlers to the, the Shifley Wheeler line, I think it, that's in an effort to get start to get Shifley going more. I think he needs. We've seen that he has played dominant hockey early on in the season, but this past month month or so, it's been kind of on and off. It's been it hasn't been as consistent of play as we as, as we've seen early on in the season, and then I think that Shifley being with Wheeler is gonna is gonna cause that chemistry that they've had because I honestly coming into the season I wasn't a big fan of putting Wheeler with Shifley but I think as this season has gone on I think Shifley and Wheeler just have something built in together where they know exactly where both of each other are going to be on the ice at all times and I think that's one of the main things that's going to help Shifley get going and then adding an element of of a dynamic player and Ehlers to that line I think it's just going to do wonders and we've seen Connor and Dubois this whole season kind of just do what they do I mean they're both close to 100 point paces right now and I, there's no reason to break them up so you know let's try and get Shifley going with another dynamic player and Ehlers has shown since he's come back from injury that he's more than that he's more than capable of putting up the points that he has been before so I I definitely like this top six I just I just keep on thinking about adding one more forward to this forward group and then all of a sudden all of a sudden the things start dominoes start to fall and you're like oh this team this team could definitely make some noise I think this team can make some noise yeah, no, that, that's like that. That's what takes it from really good to great. That like yeah. that's just the missing piece is one more impactful guy to juice that up, and then we're really cooking. Um, we'll we'll talk about Wheeler in just a second here, Tice. But yeah, I mentioned Cole Perfetti's really really good weekend. Um, coming off you know not not his best hockey in the last week or so before that, but man, he is. Is this the quietest, like, 55, 60-point rookie season we've seen in, in quite some time? Like, it, he's he's second in rookie scoring in the NHL right now, and he can barely even get himself in the Calder conversation. Like, it's just, it's wild to think that rookie Cole Perfetti is going to be 55-ish points this year, and that's, like, the floor this kid has. Like, once he figures it out, once he gets a little faster, a little stronger... I mean, you, you might need to get that impactful piece up front to come in this year, but I'll tell you what, next year you, you might not need anymore because uh, I'm not going to be shocked if the kid uh, takes a run at 70 points as, as a 21-year-old, and then we'll see what happens when he turns 23-24. Yeah, I think that has to do with Matty Beneers just having such a good first season too that he's kind of overshadowing some of these other rookies that are actually having really good years too, like even Zetterland in New Jersey. I mean, he's no one really hears about him, and he's having he's also quietly having a really good season. I, I just think that the media and some hockey pundits kind of get carried away with some of this hype, and they see a guy who's kind of who's quote unquote head head and shoulders above his comp his peers so far. And I think it's really not that big of a case. I think Colbert Fetty's and Colbert Fetty's missed some games too. If we're going off points per game, it's a lot closer than just. What, what we're seeing right now where I think he's about nine points back right now, 10 points back of Manny Beniers. Yeah. Yeah. Eight, eight, nine. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm definitely very happy with Cole for Perfetti's play. And if he sticks on this line with, with uh, Connor and Dubois, hey, we don't know. Maybe uh, he goes on a little bit of a heater. All of a sudden that gap starts to close, get some hype behind him. I, I like where, I like where Cole Perfetti's game's going, especially after we saw a couple games ago when he was on the Lowry line and it was kind of like, we, we were both noticed, that he's this just isn't his game he can't be on kind of the checking line he needs to be put with players who can make plays and 
where he's been put with players who can make plays and we've seen him already just excel in that regard. So it's great to see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say the, the rookie scoring race is all done and dusted just yet. If the kid spends a little bit of time up there. So that'll be fun to see. And he'll get a chance to rack up a few more points when the jets get back to the ice in a central division matchup a little bit later on in the week, but we'll get to that. We'll get to Blake Wheeler, like I mentioned. And then of course the big news around the hockey world is the, cluster beep out there in vancouver but before we do that let's give a quick shout out to our buddies our pals over at DraftKings sports book because now we're down to four that's right four teams are left standing two conference championship games are on tap so you only got a couple chances to win big with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the nfl Counted down to SB57, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 in free bets instantly. If you're an existing customer like myself, why not bump up the thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays for conference championship weekend? Take your shot at an even bigger payout and boost your winnings up to 100% with each leg that you add. We got Bengals Chiefs. Eagles Niners, I mean, this is the sexiest matchups I think that you could ask for if you're the NFL here. I mean, we, we were both of the Bengals types. I got to say, pretty pretty solid by us here. Thinking the Bengals make it back-to-back Super Bowl visits quickly? Yes? No? Maybe? Yes. I think the, the Adam Holmes ankle, it's, that's too, too worrying. I'm going cheat their Bengals all the way. Bengals, yeah. Eagles. Oh, no. See, I was going to say, don't, don't do the NFC. <laughs> Just leave oh, that. Like don't... I don't care. Well, I said la- I said last week that they're going to kill the Giants, and I think they're going to kill the Niners too. I think the the Brock Purdy hype train ends on Sunday. I th- I think Purdy might be in tough. I I don't think I'll go as far to say that the Eagles are going to kill the Niners, but hey. I just hey look, we can all agree on this at least that thank God the Dallas Cowboys are the Dallas Cowboys and do what they do each year, and we don't have to talk about the. Uh, the blue and white anymore for the rest of this NFL playoff. So I can get down with that. But nope. if you want to jump really... on our, just go Sorry, ahead. That, that was a really cool play. They ran. <laughs> we'll <laughs> talk about that in just a sec. Don't, don't make a parlay like that. Like the Dallas Cowboys make one. Like we did last week going four for four in the uh, divisional championship round. Either way, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. So I, this is, we'll just touch on this quickly. But nothing gets me more infuriated hearing about how NFL coaches do the big shot thing of, oh, I stayed up all night. I slept in my office. I went to bed at 2 a.m. and I got up at 5 a.m. because I just never stopped. And then Kellen Moore runs a freaking play like that. (laughs) Maybe if you weren't sleep deprived, you would come up with a concept that didn't include your running back hunting the ball to your quarterback and then you throw in a five-yard slant when you need 90 yards against the best defense in the NFL. I don't know. That's just me. But that that's like that's galaxy brain stuff right there. Like imagine like imagine if the Jets down one in game seven of a playoff series this year, 
and they got the puck behind their own net, needing the goal to tie it up with about 30 seconds to go. I mean, what what would the equivalent of that be? Like the the, the Dallas like it, would it be like the Jets just cycling it back and forth inside their own zone and then setting yeah. up a one timer at at the red line? Yeah, it would be. Yeah, it would be like passing up on like four one timers just to get a shot from the goal line and then them immediately clearing it for an yeah. empty net goal. Yeah, like, my God, that would be. I I don't get the TV breaking videos. That play, I, I kind of get breaking your TV if that was your team you're cheering for. Oh, well, suck at Cowboys. Better luck next year. <laughs> um, what, what, now, I do want to touch on this before we move away from the Jets for a sec. But Blake Wheeler on Saturday night picked up a few more points in Philly, actually. But on a Saturday night in Ottawa, again, a couple of points for him. And he gets to 900 in his NHL career. I, I would say the same way that Cole Perfetti has kind of quietly gone about his business and put up, you know, a solid rookie season, 56, 60 points on pace for something like that this year. Blake Wheeler has really quietly been good. I, I, I mean, I would argue he's arguably given this team first line winger performance so far. Like he, maybe not that $8 million cap hit. I don't think anybody's really ever expecting him to deliver that, but. He hasn't been too far off that this year. Gone about his business. Could have made a a big-time concern inside that locker room. I mean, this thing could have went sideways, the Wheeler C experiment. And instead, the dude's just kind of shut up. What about his work? And he's been tremendous so far for the Jets. I don't think Blake Wheeler gets enough love with how well he's performed and how he's helped get this team to where they are this year. Yeah, that was just a giant weight lifted off his shoulders as soon as that C got stripped. Getting coming in with that new management, it was sort of just like the, don't worry about it anymore. Like this, like you got a clear conscience now. Just go play. Just go play. Yeah, exactly. And it, he's just been and even I think him get, getting rid of the C for Wheeler also kind of helped his leadership qualities too. Cause I mean he clearly does have some leadership qualities. Now, sometimes when things are going the right way, it can come across as abrasive, I guess, but having him in kind of like a secondary leadership role where he can kind of show the younger guys, like, this is how you play. This is how you be a pro. This is how you be it. This is how you get to 900 points in the NHL or a thousand games. Like it's just those little things. And now he doesn't have to worry about kind of representing the team as a whole and being the voice of the team as a whole, especially because with Paul Maurice, I kind of felt like Blake Wheeler for a lot of times was almost like the moderator between team and coach. And he wasn't as much of a part of the team as he was kind of in the middle there where it was just kind of a weird and awkward relationship. And I think Bones coming in, relieving him of the, the main leadership duties has done wonders for him. And I think it's done wonders for the team too. And I think that's kind of what's created this good vibes vibe from this team, I guess you could say. And I think that it's just been pretty much everything the Jets have done so far has worked out perfectly. And this is exactly one of those things. It really is crazy how that's true. <laughs> like they needed a lot of things. That's why I picked them to miss the playoffs going in. They needed a lot of things to go right. Yeah, they all went right. <laughs> like so far, they've all gone right. I mean, they obviously a lot of injuries and and things like that. But you know, again, I, I think Blake Wheeler deserves a lot of credit. I'm not going to say that you know I'm not going to throw him a parade or anything like that because look, you're a pro. You're getting paid a lot of money. The least you can do is kind of go out there and and deliver for your team. But We've seen a lot of situations where that's not the case. 
and a guy who you know maybe feels like he's been slighted by the organization decides you know what it's it's all about me i'm going to make sure that i get looked after and if the team suffers so be it but as long as i'm good then i'm good and he hasn't done that it's just been a, a really a really steady almost throwback performance from blake wheeler so far this season and i'll tell you what he's he's not going to be doing the you know, end-to-end rushes, drive to, you know, power move to the net, scoring goals like that. He's not going to run a first power play. He's not going to put up 90 points anymore. But if you give him time and space and you get open, he's he's going to make plays. Like he's still done that at a, at a pretty effective level for this team. And I think that's why putting him with, with Nikolai Ehlers especially and then Mark Shifley, you know, he can kind of just do the old Joe Thornton, float around the offensive zone, let these guys open up some space for you with their speed, and then just a couple saucer passes here and there, and then we all go home happy with a few points and a plus three on the night, right? So I, 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 I've been impressed. I think he's still got a pretty big role to play on this team. And again, the intriguing thing is going to be if and when the Jets do pick up somebody up front, you know, who will be the guy that that drops down onto that quote unquote third line? Um, would it be a Blake Wheeler? Would it be somebody else? Either way, though, you know, if it is twenty six that gets dropped down, I think safe to say we can assume that he's going to be able to handle the. Uh, quote-unquote demotion pretty well as he has everything else with the team so far this season. Just quickly, Tyson, he's at 900 points now. Probably two, three years left. I'm going to, like, somewhere in and around that range. So I'm assuming that's over 1,000 points. Is he, is Blake Wheeler a Hall of Famer? I think he's Hall of Very Good. Yeah. he doesn't have the he doesn't have the awards. He doesn't have, I mean, it's it is crazy though that he's already at nine hundred points. Especially if you look at early on in his career, his the his career early on was a bit of a mess. Like it was all over the place. And his Jets' I, career early on was a mess. Yeah, it's, never, it's, never mind his like pro career, right? Like it took him a good two to three seasons for him to find his groove here in Winnipeg, and then everything kind of exploded. After that, and then he was the the most underrated player in the NHL for about probably three seasons with, with how good he was for the Jets then. I, I would agree. I would say Hall of Very Good is is where, where I would put him. Tough to say, though, when you have some guys in, in, in the Hall of Fame, Key Carbon over. I, 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 hate to, I hate to rail on those guys, but, like, uh, he gets in. Shouldn't Blake it? Uh, I don't think he should. Uh, but he's he's been pretty – the fact that he's made it a conversation is is, is – pretty damn awesome like that that's that's wild that if somebody would have said that you know when he was 25 you get laughed out of the room but he's 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 kind of done almost like they don't place very similar at all but like kind of like the ray whitney where you, you get better in your late 20s early 30s you just kind of carry it on and keep going and going and yeah he's gonna crack a thousand points that's pretty awesome hall of fame i would say unlikely he's gonna be in the jets hall of fame i would imagine does he get a jersey retired if he finishes out his career with the Winnipeg Jets? I think so. I do I'm think gonna go, so. I'm going to go no. I think he, I, especially if they have a couple deep playoff runs here, I, I think he does. And I think that's just because you are he was kind of the first face of the frat, of the new Jets 2.0. And I think, and especially we've seen, he's got a great relationship with the organization. And I think that the, their loyalty will, will show through and i think he does get his jersey retired i think he's the first member of this 2.0 reiteration to get his jersey retired 
I'd love to know what what you guys think. Again, on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki at Tyson Rewiki at Skates Plates Pod. Is Wheeler does Wheeler see his jersey retired to the Raptors? To me, to me, retire like Hall of Fame, no doubt about it. Jets Hall of Fame, no doubt about it. But to me, retiring a number is like the rarefied of rarefied airs. I like I, I'm not I'm not gonna go there. I don't think with 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 Blake Wheeler. To to me, it's like I don't know. It's got to be like you spend your entire career with that organization, and you have tremendous success, you know, individually and then team success as well. I don't think I would do that. I don't think I would. I think if you're asking me to pick somebody, I think Hellebuck is going to be the guy that eventually sees that happen. Um, I, I also think he's the most likely to sign out of the, you know, the the triumvirate of, of Shifley, Wheeler, and and Hellebuck. At, at least re-sign with the team for six, seven, eight years, all that. I, I would go with Helly over Wheeler, but to me, it's like, it, it shouldn't be a discussion, a debate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it should just be like, that guy is, that nobody wears that number ever again. And that's a pretty like it's to me it's like the the highest honor for nobody will ever wear that number like that should be rarefied air like only you only do that once every once every 10 20 years sort of a thing for for a really really special player like Wheeler's been great for the team great for the organization I I, I wouldn't do that just yet but I'm sure there's people that feel uh, feel otherwise either way though kind of a weird way to say congrats on 900 points Blake Wheeler <laughs> he's been great for the team this year great season um well we'll see how long he's able to carry it forward I, I guess the intriguing question too Tyson let me just and let's just spend 20 seconds on this does Blake Wheeler crack a thousand points as a member of the Winnipeg Jets Ooh, that's that should have been what we did this whole time that's a tough, <laughs> yeah that's a tough one I mean he's got two years left after this one let me just double check that uh, yeah because i, I mean i yeah I, I don't really see them trading them now i don't really see there being the option to move unless things really kind of go south here or if he yeah or no, it's it's he's got this year and then he's a ufa in 2024 okay yeah so that's essentially the only way he's gonna do it is if he re-signs with the team barring a 90 point season next year that's tough. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say no. I, I think he, will agree with you. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think we see Blake Wheeler resign. It'll be interest very fascinating to see if he's back next season. Let alone does he resign with the team? I think there's a lot that's gonna happen before then that 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 we have to figure out before we even start discussing that. But um, that that to me is. You know, poor job by the host there. I'll I'll take my uh, I'll, I'll take my blame on that one. There, we probably should have just done that question instead of the other two. But um, that that'll be an interesting topic. I mean, th- there's just going to be so much so much upheaval this upcoming off season that it's like I you don't even know where to begin. But um, how how long Blake Wheeler's tenure is going to be in Winnipeg will be uh, certainly a talking point. I think after this season and then going forward through the months after that, um, no longer. A question that needs to be asked, how long will Bruce Boudreaux's tenure be in Vancouver? For the man, he's probably jacked that it's finally over. <laughs> the, I mean, one of the most bizarre, embarrassing weeks, months. I, all I know is I've just never seen in any sports league 
honestly. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this before where the coach is just, I mean, we, we see guys at the end of the season kind of know, you know what, like the team sucks. I didn't do good. Like I'm going to be gone by the end of the year. That That's a little bit different. In mid-season to do what they did to Bruce Boudreaux, and I don't even think it's necessarily the fact that it's Bruce Boudreaux who is like the ultimate beauty, seems like a really good guy. Like that to me shouldn't even be mentioned in the discussion in the sense that you don't do that to anybody. Like, you just don't do that to people. They don't treat people the way that the Canucks have treated Bruce Boudreaux over the last two or three weeks in particular here. He finally gets canned. Um, Rick Tockett immediately gets hired, which is shocking because the Canucks GM said that they just decided on doing that Sunday, Sunday morning. And I guess Rick Tockett has a, a, a teleporting machine. He was able to get to Vancouver, you know, 30 minutes after they decided for the first time they were going to make a coaching change there. But what an embarrassment. What an, well, like what an absolute embarrassment this has been for the Vancouver Canucks team and franchise. And I feel bad for the fans because ultimately they're the ones that get screwed out in all of this. And I mean, I, I kind of get where you're coming from in the sense of when a team has bad ownership, you, you, you know you're screwed. Like you're just screwed for a long, long time here. And they have no clue what they're doing out there in Vancouver. And yeah, I don't think I'm going out on a limb saying that Bruce and a bunch of other people in and around that organization deserved a hell of a lot better than the clown show that we saw happen in Vancouver this past little while. Yeah, I don't get how, as an ownership group, what you've seen over the past couple of weeks, I don't get how you can be okay with this at all. Like, I, uh, To me, if I, I think you had a clean house. I think you clean house in the summer and just, I mean, you can't have Jim Rutherford went up to the stand today and said, you know what, I should probably stop talking to the media. Like, what? Like, you're the president of hockey operations. Like, you can't just be like, I'm not going to say anything anymore. I just I just hurt the team. Well, then maybe you shouldn't be the president of hockey operations. Maybe well, you should, this, this is the wild thing, too, that, like, what was your plan in all this? Right? Yeah. Like, the, the, I'm being serious here. The only logical explanation I have is that Jim Rutherford or somebody else there hates Bruce Boudreaux. That, like, that's the only thing, like, how, I just don't get why any team would think, hey, you know what we should do to our coach that we're probably going to fire? Let's leave him twisting in the wind and then talk about his replacements that we're going to hire and how much we hate him and we think he's doing a terrible job, but we'll let him coach the team for three more weeks. You know what, like, to me, the only reason you do that is because you have a grudge or you don't like the guy. And that's even crazier, too, because it's like, well, if you don't like him, just fire him. And then nobody, like, we don't have to deal through all this. I, and I, I'm really intrigued to see what the, the repercussions are going to be from this. I mean, I, I know players were hesitant, free agents were hesitant to to sign in Vancouver over the last few years here. But, I mean, man, you've got Quinn Hughes, you've got Elias Pedersen coming up on, on, on contract extensions. Do you want to commit to a franchise that treats its employees the way that they've done so far? And then you go down, players, coaches, personnel, all this stuff. It's it's. I don't know if the Canucks realize how much damage they've done over this last little while. It's it could be irreparable. Like like honestly, and even obviously, I feel the worst for Bruce out of all this, one hundred percent. But I I also feel for Rick Tockett. He's been he's been put in like pretty much an impossible situation. The players. He's gonna come into that room, and the players. I think are just gonna be like, whatever, man. This season's this is already a season from hell. Like we we just. 
we're checked out. We're all just checked out. And even you, you mentioned it we're earlier on. This, that, would, <laughs> that would be awesome if he walks in. And it would be JT Miller too. Like whatever, man, we're done. Yeah. I was I was just gonna say you mentioned uh, a, a guy like Wheeler not just kind of packing things up and and sulking and being like oh I don't get my way um, it's my way or the highway the, the exact opposite example of that is J T Miller he got his he got his money and he's just like this is my team I don't care what anyone else has to think you're going after a guy earlier earlier on in the season they're going after a guy like Luke Shen on your team who is by all regards, a highly respected veteran in the NHL. He's won a Stanley Cup, and you're going to go after him? It's just a terrible look. And then you're chewing out your third-string goalie behind the net against the Jets, too. It's just that that team is just burning to the ground right now. And I I have I don't see anything that can fix this team other than a full rebuild. And I, and I mean full rebuild. Like, I think you get rid of yeah, almost everyone. Everyone, almost every player, and I, you get rid of all of management, and you start over. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 gonna be wild. It's gonna be a while out there in Vancouver before they get back to it. It's, I mean, it's kind of wild to think now, but I mean, it was, I guess, thirteen years ago. Best team in the NHL, <laughs> and and you know, just over a decade later, they're a complete tire fire, a dumpster fire. Um, yeah, it's that just. I know Jets fans complain about certain things that are done here in Winnipeg, but uh, you would never see something like that happen with with this organization here. So I mean, the you know you can count your lucky stars that you know Frankie Aquilini isn't running the show here in Winnipeg because like, imagine if he was here last year when when some of the stuff was going on, and I, I might have been a little out of control. But thankfully, the Jets have raided the ship so far this season. Um, but that's going to do it for the episode here. We'll uh, call it quits there. And we'll get ready for a busy week for the hockey club. One more game out on the road to cap off that road trip. And then they're back home right on through to the rest of the All-Star break. So we'll touch on all of that action to come. Matchups against the Nashville Predators Tuesday. And then Tage Thompson comes to town Thursday night as the Jets host the Sabres in the first of... Four, five straight at Canada Life Center for the club. So we'll break down those two games and then look ahead to the rest of the docket for the Jets when we get back at it at the end of the week. But until then, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki, helping out once again. Like I said, we'll get back at it on Friday morning, talking Jets Preds and Jets Sabres. Until then... Stay safe and enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. We'll talk on Friday. Peace.